in the toy section than the kid who hangs the fingers from the pegs. Your host, Icy Robots. Greetings, Earth people. I am from Jupiter. It's me again, Icy Robots. I'm not a hero. I tell you that every week. I am not a hero, but I do sacrifice a bit of my week every week to make your week a bit less weak. And this week, this week is a bit different. I am away from the ISR Jupiter station on the third largest moon, Callisto. I am, in fact, in the great state of Arizona in the fine city of Phoenix, visiting my folks. Uh, I don't know, man. I'm here by myself without icebergs, so... I don't know. Today we're going to talk about Cloverfield. I saw that. We're going to talk about Batman versus Superman. It's going to be a fun show. I think that you are going to enjoy it. So, uh, buckle up. Let's get going. You are listening to the Toys R Us Report. Welcome to the future. Ain't nothing truer ever been said. This ain't a blast from the past. It's a boomer from the future. This is me, Icy Robots, and I'm back. Uh, a while back on icrobots.com, I mean, geez, this must have been a year ago, I scanned in a public enemy merchandise catalog that I got back in the day from uh, Public Enemy themselves. They put um, an advert in one of the source magazines that I had, and you could send away and get a merchandise catalog. So I did... I've sat on it ever since. I've had it floating around the computer room. It's pretty cool. I scanned it in. I'll put a link in the show notes. Hop on over to icrobots.com to check that out. But anyway, uh, one day I'm kicking here at the station and I get an email. I get an email from somebody named DJ Ross One. And he tells me that he is putting together a book about rap tees called uh, Rap Tees. When I say tees, I mean t-shirts. Our boy DJ Ross One's a bit of a hip-hop historian like myself. He has a giant collection of rap t-shirts and he wanted to, he wanted to catalog the history of rap merchandise in a book. And uh, when he contacted me and asked if he could use the Public Enemy merchandise catalog, I was more than happy to help out. I want nothing more than to have hip-hop history put down in a hardcover book. So I told him, yeah, man, knock yourself out. He asked me then if it would be possible for me to scan in a higher resolution copy. And I was, I was swamped. And I said, hey, DJ Ross One, why don't I just send it to you? You can have it. I've already scanned it in myself, so I don't need to own the original. If you want it, if it will help your project, I'll send it to you. So he sent me his address and I mailed it to him. He told me that he would send me a copy of the book when it came out. And I hoped that he would. But you know how these things are. I didn't think that that day would ever come. But then, lo and behold, I received a box in the mail. And inside that box was a copy of Rap Tees by DJ Ross One. I have it right here. Uh, it's great. I really mean that. The book is terrific. It's hardcover. It's not big like a coffee table book. It's about half that size. But it is... It's just chocked full of pictures from the early days of hip-hop merchandise where dudes had to make their own shirts... With an iron, iron-on letters, iron-on old-school font letters on the front of your shirt saying the name of your crew and the name of yourself. Uh, it has that kind of stuff all the way up to 
all the way up to like, you know, the recent Dr. Dre Eminem type stuff. It's good. This is really neat. I think that hip-hop has to get put down in these kind of things or the early days are just going to disappear. When I first started getting into hip-hop, it was considered the start of the new school and the end of the old school, the moment that Run DMC released their song Sucker MC. At that point, uh, rap had been like Africa Bambata and Grandmaster Flash, The Furious Five, Grand Wizard Theodore, stuff like that. And when Run DMC came out, with a more straight boom bap in your face 808 style that signaled the end of the old school and the start of the new school. Now, when I hear people talk about the old school, what they mean is like the 90s, like Redman, uh, things of that sort. Redman, EPMD, The Hit Squad, Dos Effects, Wu-Tang Clan, KRS-One. All that stuff is considered old school and when you really when you stop and you look at it, if that's the old school, the stuff that came along before that, you know, the, you know, the Run DMC stuff, the, uh, Stetsasonic, things like that, that stuff would have to be considered prehistoric at this point, and if you go even deeper than that into the, you know, back to the Grandmaster Flash, back to the Africa Bambata, back to the Nucleus, and things like that, that stuff is just gonna disappear right off the face of the Earth. If people like Ross One don't go out there and put it in a book, it's important. This is, to me, a very important project, and I'm happy to to have been part of it. I actually get a photo credit. If you look in the back, it'll show you that the Public Enemy catalog is credited to the IC Robots collection, and that's just awesome. Uh, I'm happy. I'm happy that I was able to do something that will preserve a piece of history for all the times. Well, go on, check it out. It's at rapteasebook.com. Big ups to my boy DJ Ross One. You did a great job on this project. Um, so let's get moving. We're going to go into At The Movies, where we're going to talk about... Cloverfield, and then it will move into a longer discussion of Batman v Superman. All right, here we go. In a moment, at the movies, without Ebert, Siskel, or even that dude Roper, but you got Icy Robot, so that's something, right? on being prepared. I saved your life by bringing you here. I knew this day would come. It's not safe out there. Something's coming. J.J. Abrams' Cloverfield has always had a place in my heart. When the first movie came out, I was writing reviews for a movie blog, and we were spending a lot of our time covering the viral marketing involved with the first movie. It was great. We uh, we really enjoyed the way they kept the monster hidden. It was just neat stuff, and we were covering it the whole way. And in a surprise treat, I was invited to an early screening of the movie. So even though I did not like it as much as I would have hoped to, it's always had a near and dear place in my heart. It was a lot of fun. We went to San Francisco to see it. They took our phones. They made sure we didn't have notebooks uh, just to keep the whole thing in the dark. It was a lot of fun. 
But this one, 10 Cloverfield Lane with the lovely Mary Elizabeth Winstead from Scott Pilgrim from Got a Girl with Dan the Automator and also John Goodman from Roseanne and The Big Lebowski and any number of awesome things and some other dude. This one, this one more than exceeds any sort of hype you would have had around it. What's cool about it is nobody even knew it was being made. J.J. Abrams snuck it up on us one day. One day, it's like you turn on the TV and they're all new Cloverfield movie opening next week. That was awesome. It's great. Nowadays, they cut movie trailers in a way that you get, you get kind of a synopsis of the whole thing. So you never, you're hardly ever surprised. But with this, you kind of got a rough idea of what might be going on, but you didn't know exactly. So every twist... Every turn was just, just something, just a surprise, a rare treat, a surprise in a movie. I'll give you, I'll give you the basic idea, but I don't want to give away any of the spoilers for, you know, what what goes on. So one day, Mary Elizabeth is driving along, and she gets knocked off the road and wakes up inside of a bunker. You know, like a survivalist bunker, like one underneath the earth. One that somebody would use to hide from a, a nuclear war, or in this case, well... As the person played by John Goodman claims, we have been attacked and we are hiding from that attack. He doesn't know who it is. He knows that it was gas. He saw a poison gas spread out. It could have been the Martians. It could have been the Russians. It could have been anybody, but nobody knows who it is. And the mystery lies in whether it even happened at all. At first, uh, Mary Elizabeth is chained to her bed, but he says that for her safety, and eventually he does let her out. But... That doesn't end her peril because John Goodman does some questionable things and the whole time you're just, you're led to wonder whether he is telling the truth or not. I don't want to give away much more than that. It's just lots of neat things happen and you will definitely, definitely enjoy this movie. I went to see it not not knowing what to expect and I had a great time. The old wife had a good time too. The whole audience was on the edge of their seat. It was packed. We went to see it on a rare Friday night. I prefer to go to the movie Saturday night or Monday afternoon. I like my Monday afternoon movie when there's nobody there. This was jam-packed. There were people everywhere, man. Some dude was kicking the back of my seat, which I hate. I had to tell him to knock it off, which is a confrontation, which I also hate. But I had to do it, man, because I didn't want to get my enjoyment spoiled. But this movie, man, I cannot recommend it high enough. Go see it. You will, you will just thoroughly enjoy it. I give it like, I don't know, I would not say four stars, but it's not very far away from that. I am going to go ahead and say maybe 3.75 mics on the source meter. And that, you know, that's pretty good, man. Especially for what would have to be considered a sci-fi horror film. Not a lot of those dip into the four mic category. They do at the, uh, the good old IC Robots HQ, but, you know, on the, um... The Oscars or whatever. Nobody considers anything that high. But I do. I consider this to be just awesome. Uh, Go see it. This gets the ISR. Super highly recommended. Go check it out. Cloverfield 10. Cloverfield Lane. Boop. Up next, we are going to move into what will be the main event for this week's episode. We are going to talk about the controversial film by Zack Snyder starring the all-new Batman, Ben Affleck. The movie known as Batman v Superman, where we are going to see for the first time Batman's fist collide with Superman's iron chin on on the big screen. I think it's going to be great, but I will let you know all about it right 
after this. You're gonna go to war. He's the one that brought the war to us. Count the dead. Thousands of people. What's next? Millions. He has the power to wipe out the entire human race. And if we believe there's even a 1% chance that he is our enemy, we have to take it as an absolute certainty. And we have to destroy him. Rated PG-13. Well, my dudes, I am back from Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I just saw it. I went to a matinee. It was jam-packed. It wasn't as jam-packed as I thought it would be jam-packed. There were still seats available. And people were arriving all during the movie. I hate that. I hate it when people show up uh, after the movie started. I mean, maybe, you know, a bit after it started. But as the time goes by, I get more and more annoyed. And people are going in and out the whole time. But that is not important. Let's, uh, let's get down to some thoughts on the movie. So, as you know by now, the reviews are not as good as they could be. As a matter of fact, they are, uh... Well, they are pretty bad, but I'm going to tell you this. I did not have a bad time during the course of the movie. It took a long while to get started. The first hour, maybe the first hour and a half are all not that exciting. But once it does start to get cooking, it's not bad at all. I mean, it is bad. It's muddled. It's hard to follow at points. The effects are... Really over the top, there is just so much going on. But once Batman and Superman start fighting each other, I can't say it's a bad time. The movie is long, it's, you know, it's two and a half hours, and like I said, the first hour and a half is a lot of just stuff going on. They try to establish uh, Lex Luthor as a big-time villain. They have him doing all just all sorts of villainous stuff behind the scenes, but Jesse Eisenberg as Lex Luthor is one of the most annoying characters I've ever seen on the screen. I gotta say that I uh, was driven crazy just about every time he opened his mouth, but... 2.0 enjoyed him. She thought that he was cool. She thought that he was funny and witty and she dug that. So I don't know, man. Maybe he is the the kids entertainment in the movie. Um, There were a lot of kids there and I felt bad. I feel bad for children if this is your Superman because the dude is so dour. He is so dark. The movie is so dark and all sorts of just bad things happen around him. I want a Superman that smiles. I want a happy Superman. I want a Superman that rescues cats. If you watch Supergirl on CBS, that is what a Superman movie should be like. It should be bright. It should be uplifting. And this is everything. But like uh, I said earlier, though, it's not, it is not unentertaining. The movie is incredibly flawed. It is just There are flaws in so many ways. There are just so many dream sequences. I cannot stand dream sequences in a movie, and there are millions of them. But Batman uses guns. That's another thing. Another thing that I wasn't into. Batman is running around busting caps, and I found that very disconcerting. As far as that goes, though, you gotta take under consideration that this is a older Batman. I'm guessing he's anywhere between 47 and 50, and this dude has been out there on the streets fighting the good fight for a long time now, and maybe he just sort of came to the conclusion that sometimes you gotta pop a nine. 
you gotta shoot some bullets, you gotta hurl some lead, as they say, I don't know. Um, at one point, he says to Alfred that they are criminals, and I think that, you know, that's true, he's a vigilante, he's a criminal, but I think that his realization that he is that sort of goes a long way toward explaining why he does a lot of the things he does in this movie. He's very violent, he has, um... He has a branding iron and he brands criminals. And I I don't have any Batman comics where he does that. But when you take into the consideration that dude is now a criminal and he knows he's a criminal, it's not too weird that he might be branding somebody. It is too weird. But it's not, it's not out of the realm of possibilities. But I don't know, man. Once they start fighting, once they get to the part of the movie where Batman and Superman are going knuckle to chin with each other, it was fun, and I, I don't know if all the buildup was worth it, but... Man, I don't know, when it, they started fighting and they're just punching each other, and Batman is standing on Superman's neck, and next thing you know, Wonder Woman's there, Wonder Woman is there, that's uh, Gal Gadot, I don't know her out of anything except for Fast and Furious. Oh, she was in that movie I saw the other week, uh, The 9-9, is that what it was? In that movie, she's wearing the shortest skirt I've ever seen in my life, I forgot to mention that when we were talking about it, but... She makes her debut as Wonder Woman in this, and she's out of sight. I really enjoyed her. I did not know how much I would. I kind of pictured somebody beefier in the role, like a bigger gal. But hey, man, what are you going to do? She really did a good job as good old Diana Prince. So overall, I don't know. You might want to see it. I can't really, like, recommend you go see it because it's just so long and it's so dreary. But once the fisticuffs begin, the fist starts flying. It's not bad, man. You've waited your whole entire life to see a live-action version of Batman fight Superman. And you know what else you've waited to see your whole life? A different version of Batman. Every movie with Batman, it seems like the dude is just getting started. And this is a dude who's been out there for a while. He has stubble. He's old. And you've waited forever to see that so I don't know if you want to miss it maybe you do it's up to you it's not getting the best reviews that's okay though you know you got to make up your own mind about stuff and I don't know I think that so far I am the only person I know who liked it and I'm not going to say it's a good movie because it was not a good well put together movie it could have been shorter you could have cut out some of those dream sequences and some of the uh Lex Luthor subplots and you'd have a tighter movie you could probably get this down to like a hour 45 in which case you'd have a fantastic movie but there's still going to be people who don't like the direction and I don't like it either I don't want it to be dark I want it to be bright but you got to take what you're given and I don't know it was not the worst thing I have ever seen in my life let's check out another quick tv spot uh from the old VHS vault The people of our great city are resilient. Cal. They have proven this before. And they will prove it again. People are going to start thinking anyway. That's how it starts. The fever. The rage. Feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel. So, 
dreary, so dark. Um, I don't feel as if I could poo-poo all over a movie's direction without offering a, another way you could go. So I thought about it, and I'm like, what kind of Superman movie would I make if I had the ability to make a Superman movie? And I'll tell you, I came up with an idea. When I look at Superman, one of the things that jumps out at me is the romantic aspect. I think the main storyline of Superman is him and Lois, but I think it's also weird how he's gone and hid his identity for so long. So what I would do is I make a movie where I'm going to go back to Brandon Routh too, because I thought he was a good Superman. I'm going back to Brandon Routh and he goes and professes his love for Lois. He's been, he's been Clark all along behind her back, but the day comes and he finally professes his love to her and she rejects him. She's mad. She's mad that he's been keeping secrets from her, that he's been tricking her. She feels like a fool. She feels like an idiot for all this time not knowing what was what. So she tells him, look, I respect Superman. I will never tell anybody your secret, but don't ever talk to me again. Just stay away from me. You are a liar. I don't like you. So Superman gets driven. He gets attacked on his one weakness, his weakness being his heart. Superman gets a broken heart, and he reacts just like anyone else who gets a broken heart. He retreats back into his house. He's watching TV with his shirt on over his Superman uniform. It's open. He's laying there. He's just watching TV. He's depressed. He goes through the motions of being a superhero. You know, he flies around and helps people, but he's just not. He's not the old uh, jovial Superman that we all know, and he does this for a while before. Before the Martian Manhunter comes to him, and he's just like, dude, I can't stand to see you so down. Why don't we go together? Why don't we go out into space and just see what we can find? You know, he's thinking maybe I can find a nice girl for you. Maybe we can find something. Anything would be better than seeing you mope around. So Superman takes one of the Superman androids that he has in the Fortress of Solitude back in the Golden Age of Comics. Let's them out there into Metropolis to keep up his duties and he heads into space with his boy, the Martian Manhunter. So the two of them head out into space and it becomes a bit of a buddy comedy, sort of a lighthearted buddy comedy where they just go to different planets, different things happen. One of the weird things is that uh, Superman's in his Kent identity. He's Clark Kent. He's not Superman because deep in his heart, he knows that the real guy's last name is Kent, not L. So he's walking through space, you know, just wearing a tie, wearing a shirt, casual attire, maybe a polo shirt, I don't know. They have all sorts of adventures. It's kind of, it's kind of lighthearted. And then eventually, after a while, they head back to Earth. And when they get here, they discover that the people have not even noticed that their town is being controlled, not controlled rather, being protected by an android. And even worse, they find out that the android is now with Lois. I could, I should quit calling him an android, even though it is an android. He's a Superman robot. We find out that the Superman robot is now with Lois Lane. So Superman goes into a deeper depression. And I don't want to say he's not, he's not, you know, he's not Morrissey. He's not Robert Smith or anything like that, but he is, he's down in the dumps. He's flying around being, um, just being weirded out. And then one day he decides, I got to go to Lois. I got to tell her what's happening. So he does, he goes, he tells her, you, you, you know, I, I profess my love to you. I left, I left a robot behind and I, you fell in love with the robot. And she's like, of course I knew it was a robot. I knew it all along. But then as soon as you left, I realized I made a mistake. I loved you and I should be with you. And the only thing I could be with that was anything like you was the robot. But now that you're back, we can be together. I don't know. The ending needs work, but the idea of the mopey Superman going into space with the Martian Manhunter is pretty good. I mean, tell me the truth. You would rather see that movie than the one that you have right now, but 
Sadly, my movie will never exist. At any rate, that's my thoughts on uh, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice. I don't know what you want me to say. Let's go into the Toys R Us report. <laughs> drop by supportthereport.com and consider becoming a show patron for as low as a measly dollar a month. It's the right thing to do. You've made it this far. It's time. The final segment, your weekly toy shop update, the Toys R Us report. Helping us out over on Patreon. You can find out how to do it at supportthereport.com. It is definitely the right thing to do. We can use every bit of shekels you guys can share. Uh, even a dollar. Dollar a month, man. Dollar a month will help keep the lights on over here at the Toys R Us Report. So let's see. What's popping off in the world of pop culture, toys, news, all that good stuff? To me, the main event, the most important thing happening besides Batman v Superman is... It's some Batman news, and it involves the Toys R Us report, number one Batman actor of all the time, a man that goes by the name of Kevin Conroy. Kevin Conroy has signed on to play Batman, along with Mark Hamill as the Joker in a cartoon adaption of Alan Moore's classic, The Killing Joke. If you don't know, you will soon know. The Killing Joke is the story of the Joker who goes to some really extreme lengths in an attempt to drive Commissioner Gordon insane. What he wants to do is show him that anyone given bad enough of a time could also turn out like the Joker. From what I understand, they have been given the go-ahead to make this an R-rated movie like it would have to be. There is some pretty graphic R-rated stuff involved. And I got to say, hey man... The fine folks over at uh, Warner Brothers get big kudos from here up on, uh, well, not even on Jupiter, from here in Phoenix, I guess. We, we're just so happy, us here at the Toys R Support. This is, so far, this is turning out like it should turn out, and that's nice to see. It's nice to see a project going in the direction that you would want it to go if, you know, if you happen to be in charge and you happen to be capable of being in charge of these sort of things. The flick is currently in production and will be available later this year. I imagine it's going to go straight to DVD. So hop on over to Best Buy, your local video store, or wherever you get DVDs from to check it out. I'm imagining it's going to be one of the coolest things ever. So, I don't know, man. What else is going on? AMC has just announced that the, well, the pilot of Preacher, their TV show Preacher, based on the comic by Garth Ennis, is going to debut May 22nd after the mid-season finale of Fear the Walking Dead, the Walking Dead spinoff that takes place in the early days of the zombie apocalypse. Man, Fear the Walking Dead, I don't know, man, it really bugged me, it really bothered me. On the inside. You know how sometimes you watch something with horror and it just kind of gets into you and strikes like a personal vein. The story of the dude really struggling to take care of his family during the apocalypse. Man, it got to me. But um, back to Preacher. From what I hear about Preacher, which was one of my favorite comics of all the times. I thought it was so great. It's the story of a dude who, um, well, he's a preacher who gets his congregation killed by some kind of random accident. And he wants to find 
He wants to find out why. He wants to find the Lord himself, ask him why, and more than likely punch him right in the face. I hear, I hear that they are going to be straying from the source material, which is weird to me because it's a very highly thought of comic. And if you don't want to stick near the source material, why not just make your own story? But I am going to hold out judgment until I actually see it and it won't be, won't be for a while yet. So I don't know, my guys. We, we're running out of time rapidly here. I want to make sure that we have enough space on the good old server. As you know, we have some space issues. You know, we only get room enough for like a half an hour a week. And this is a week where we have five Wednesdays. I put out a show every Wednesday, so I got to find a way to squeeze an extra show in there. So if you want to help out with that, go to supportthereport.com. Help us out. Help us upgrade the package. You won't regret it. Uh, so... This is me, IC Robot, signing off episode number 73. If you don't know, now you know. This has been an IC Robots radio production.